peek behind the curtain of the Softly Training Lab with the Softly Performance Podcast. The pinnacle of human performance is out there, and we intend to find it. Welcome back to another Softly Performance Podcast. What's up, guys? Bringing you guys episode two of our uh, recon challenge series. So the first episode we did was pretty much the first kind of week of training that I found out that I was going to be running the challenge. And I want to go ahead and open this up with, I didn't talk about it or say anything about it because I didn't believe it was still true that I was actually going to go ahead and go do this event, an event that's been is super close to my heart. I did it in 2012, but Ultimately, of what the event carried and brought, it was no. It wasn't about the competition. It wasn't about. It wasn't just about me. It was about those who are no longer with us, and to be able to know that I've come from a really dark side, you know, in, in space, and having to pull myself out of it, which a lot of us have, especially when we transition out of the military. Um, to to be able to experience this event, it was very heartwarming and. It was very nostalgic. It brought a lot of happiness to me and, and it sh helped shine some light in an area of my soul that I really didn't understand that was a part of me. And then I, I don't know why I kept it a look or like kind of shied away from it or however else. And I think, again, it's something that we all, I think a majority of us do. And if you don't, that's really awesome. But majority of us have some kind of weird perspective or view on our transition out of the military. And, you know, I'm going to go ahead and say, Matt, Am I wrong or right with that? Because you transitioned out into a position you are now. And yeah, it, it, obviously our stories are different, but that transition is still really tough. Yeah, it's, um, I, I think I was, I was kind of definitely very fortunate in that um, the, the role I did <laughs> was very, very different to the role you did, I think. Um, so maybe for me, like the, um, I guess the, the difference between being in and, and, and now is, is different. But I think that like for, from a personal perspective, it's like the community and the, the cultural side of things is, is different. Um, and definitely being prepared for that is, it, it, it probably will put someone at a big advantage when it comes for, for their time to, to kind of ease out. Yeah. So, you know, bringing it like back to the, the, the reason why we're doing this second episode is one, it was very, uh, it was, it was a very, uncontrollable event with trying to control it within my life, meaning that I knew that the intensity that was about to come to train for this event was going to be a lot. And I hadn't done it in a very long time, especially now, um, you know, having a full family, you know, and, you know, before even when I was training this way, I was, it was just me and Savannah or it was just me training by myself and we didn't have to worry about other things or whatever else. And, and today, you know, when I was coming into, it, I was like, holy cow, you know, when I look back at that training environment, that training environment that I fostered for myself and the way how I like blended it with my family and my friends and my work and school at the same time, it really gave me a, a lot of appreciation of understanding how to fit things within the margins and understanding what becomes a priority and what doesn't become a priority. Mm, yeah, you know? sure. I just, absolutely. Just before we kind of get into this, this stuff too, because I've got so many questions and, and, and like, I, I can't wait to hear more about it. It sounds like the most insane experience. Um, for those of you guys who, who haven't listened to it yet, if you go back and listen to episode one of, of when, of what George was talking about at the start, when he was kind of first 
um, hearing that he'd, he'd got a place in Recon Challenge and what training was going to look like, that will really help kind of give more, more context to this episode, I think. Um, but yeah, to, to start off, I wonder whether, can you can you just give like those those listeners who, who maybe haven't come across the Recon Challenge or who aren't familiar with it, can you just give us a quick rundown on kind of what it is, what it represents, that, that yeah, no, super, super quick and easy. So the recon challenge was, was, uh, was founded over at recon training company. It's where the students go to school to become a recon Marine. And what it was, it was to go ahead and, you know, honor the fallen, uh, brothers that we've lost in combat and to, you know, other situations that come with the job as well as to honor the gold star families that are still around and <clears throat> moving through this process. And this was the way for us to kind of bring their spirit back and bring their honor back. And the only way to do so, and one thing, you know, the Marine, the Marine recon guys are, you know, we, we live by the idea of pain, misery, and suffering is, is a way to go ahead and, and pay back, you know, your, I guess you can say whatever it is you've given to the recon creed and, and all of that, but the recon challenge yeah, sure. in general was developed to go ahead and help bring the community together and, you know, honor mm -hmm. the fallen and watch these teams that have signed up to run it, you know, lay it down and it's no longer about them. Yeah. Does it become a competition? Is it competitive? Yes, of course, because guess what? That's who we are. But at the end of the day, right yeah. at the, at the foundation, the base of it, it's all of it's for the, fallen who are no longer there and the gold star families that come and hang out you know the marine recon foundation has done a really mm -hmm. good job of supporting that the recon sniper foundation has really done yeah. a great job and a lot of other you know the force reconnaissance um association companies like like that and nonprofits like that are really trying to you know bring around what the recon challenge is and the schoolhouse is really trying to promote and recruit more of the idea of what recon is because again you know, as reconnaissance Marines, we're taught to be silent professionals. So we don't speak much about our job. We're very quiet about it. And in a way it's kind of hurt us over some time period because it's kind of, you know, there's not as much publicity or public, uh, notoriety on yeah, awareness of like what a recon Marine is. Sure. So it's been really cool to be able to see what the recon community and what the recon challenge has done for over the past 12 to 13 years that it's been around. Um, mm -hmm. so the recon challenge is a, is a pretty much a military endurance event and that you run it in teams of two with a 50 pound pack on your back. And that's the minimum gear you must wear throughout the whole race. So they'll, they'll test you, um, throughout the race on your weight. Okay. So, and, uh, oh, sorry, oh, yeah. you go. I was just going to say, am I right? Am I right in thinking that it's, it's normally reserved places normally just reserved for serving? Correct. Right. So the past, like it's not, not kind of, common yeah. So the past, um, the past 12 years are it's always been just to the, to active duty and reservist. They did have a team in 2019, okay. which was like their hero team where they helped carry a couple guys from the 2010 deployment. And that was, um, I know they've done, oh, wow. I think there's, they've been an individual of Todd love, I think has been carried in this as well as, uh, Jonathan blank from that 2010 okay. deployment. And those guys are from Bravo company and force company. Um, so yeah, they've had teams like that run, but they've never had like individual civilian prior 0321s come in and run the race with an active duty individual. So this was the first year they had the waiver signed off. And again, I think it's a great thing because it grows and throws purpose now and it gives, you know, prior 0321s something to look forward to every year. 
Mm, a real kind of center point for, like you for that kind of whole community correct spirit you were, you correct were right because it gets everyone excited it gets everyone talking about the community it gets everyone coming back to you remember we used to do these things remember when this happened you see the like the guys you influenced do all those things so like that recon challenge is where the recon community comes back and really kind of develops the spirit of the community to keep it growing and we do so again yeah, like yeah. i said in teams of two and you move together both each mm -hmm. carry a 50 pound pack and it's a minimal requirement list of things you have to carry to meet that weight as well as, you know, if you have to go ahead and put extra weight in there to meet that weight, you do so as well. So for example, okay. you know, I carried about 25 pounds of like what my mandatory gear was, wetsuit, dive booties, um, fins, not a uh, carabiner, a rope. I had some other stuff in there that I carried. And then I had to go ahead and put dive weights inside my ruck to go ahead and make 50 pounds. And that's, that's not including right. water, right? So once I have wow, to have okay. 50 pounds and everything else on that is extra because you carry water on you, your food or whatever else. So at the end of it, I think I came in around 53, 55 pounds was the average weight between, yeah. you know, myself and my partner. Mm, okay. And speaking of your partner, so again, from, from that last episode, I remember you, you said you just kind of received a phone call and from that point on it was pretty clear there was only going to be one response like there was only going to be one one kind of outcome yeah and that's the funny part about that was like you know before i even got into the event or even looking at it from that perspective it was one of those things where it was kind of like i said a surreal moment of like oh wow i'm really doing this but i also got asked by an individual who i've helped train and coach get ready for you know best ranger challenge he just got done taking second you know at that event which is super awesome and you know when he asked me, we were still two and a half weeks out away from, you know, the the best ranger challenge. We were five weeks out away from the recon challenge. We both knew he was going to do both of them. And his approach yeah. to the recon challenge was already blended into it with the basic or the, the best ranger challenge because the two events are okay. somewhat similar. Just one's longer in duration, one's less in duration, but one has a little bit higher intensity and the other one's intensity kind of is undulating sure. throughout it's almost part yeah almost correct part of the same, correct the same so i looked at it like day. okay cool he's just gonna go out for another day of effort but he's gonna be able to recover from this as well well how do we get him to recover so he can have the energy and the magic to go out and do his thing at the challenge because again i was controlling training watching what he was doing and having to move forward with that and the cool thing about that was that it allowed for me to have a baseline of where he was at and what i needed to be at Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess I guess otherwise you kind of go and improve. Correct. Like you kind of correct. It's like you, like I remember you talking about before. You were aware that the when you came to do the recon challenge, that was going to be you right back at being kind of operationally deployable, like being at your you kind of you were in theory. That that was my that's where my headspace and, went right away. It was like, all right, cool. I need to get in operational shape, meaning that. I knew from my previous experiences on, on, de on deployments, especially in 2010, we were patrolling for six to eight hours throughout the night. Yeah, we would hike, we would patrol, stop at people's houses, do X, Y, and Z, but then we would patrol again. So it was kind of one of those things where I thought about, I was like, well, I'm going to be under ruck already for eight to 10 hours already. I need to get used to doing, and that's what I need to get back to doing. Well, luckily I had some mm. experience now from the endurance world of how, how to build that in a smart manner in a very short time period. I also had a very, and yeah. I want to preface this, I also had three years of all endurance, four years of endurance focused, right? Like mm -hmm. I live in Utah, I've been able to hit the yeah. mountains and all those things. So 
I was able to come in with a massive aerobic base coming into like that five week prep, but I also had just got done focusing on a two month strength focus where I'm in the gym three days a week focusing on, you know, making sure, you know, lateral strength is good, making sure the trunk is strong, making, and, and just looking at it more from a health stand, uh, standpoint and perspective yeah. is ultimately was, I was, gonna say that, was that's, it, that's, what was it is. Yeah. Like that's gotta be an awesome kind of advert for, for like, you know, kind of the shape that you keep yourself in that you can, you can kind of pivot and go from from living a relatively normal kind of life in terms of training and just ticking over to within five weeks. Okay, I'm gonna like we said before, I'm gonna be kind of almost deployable in theory. Like, Correct. To be able to make that transition, I think says a lot about the the sort of the the, the work. That you've Correct. Done. So it was the idea of this was like I looked at the recon challenge as my indoc to getting back into the recon community. Mm, yeah. So, I mean, so speaking of the training, I think when we, when we heard from you last in, in episode one, were you, were you a week, two weeks into your training? Oh, uh, like we that? were only one week into it. So I had just got done training one. the first week where I, <laughs> did I, I think yeah, I mentioned yeah. it, it was that far back, but I remember mentioning that, you know, I think the first day I did is I bought my, 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 my boots that I was going to wear for the event. And I put a 25 pound plate and a 25 pound kettlebell in my bag, in my ruck. <laughs> and I was like, 90 minutes go as far as you can. So I was like, all right, 45 minutes, I'm going to turn around and try and beat that. So like, that was one of my very first like baseline tests to, to get in the first, you know, week of, of this. And the funny part about that is that I hadn't worn a 50 pound plaque or, or plus in, I don't know how many years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was it's like a hell of a reality check. Oh there? my God. Like I got done with that 90 minute effort and I hadn't been punched in the face that many times in a very long time. And, and I yeah. got to say this, I felt like I had gotten a little soft. I, I will say that <laughs> plain. I was like, there's no way I got this soft. No way. Like, yeah. And like you said, this is a man who's kind of competed in multiple ultra endurance events and kind of crazy challenges and stuff like that. Yeah, and it, it was one of those things where I was like, there's no way. There's 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 no way. And and in that moment I kind of like felt sorry for myself. I was like, did I let myself get to this point to where you know, it's like <laughs> a 50-pound pack just kicked my ass for 90 minutes. Like that doesn't sound like that's fitness to me from like the standpoint of where I'm training at right now. So, it ultimately didn't sure. be like it didn't become this idea of I'm training for the recon challenge. It was like, no, I should be able to move with the 50 pound pack for 90 minutes and not have it crush my soul. <laughs> Realistically. Yeah. 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 I mean, for those, for those guys who have, who have done that, which I'm sure a lot of our, our listeners will be used to what that feels like on their back. Crushing your soul is a pretty good, I'd say it's a pretty good representation of what that it, feels it, like. It's like, I totally <laughs> forgot. It was like, for me, it wasn't the fact that it was aerobic capacity. It was more mental. It was more of like getting mm -hmm. my headspace okay with carrying this pack for just trapped being on it, fire. It's just everything and like having to learn how to get yeah. find that economy of, of of movement and trying to find that good position for breathing for me that kept me going because like I knew all those things mattered, but at the same time was like, does all this matter also still trying to push at a specific pace? And when I say pace, I don't mean a physical pace. It's a mental pace is, is the way I look. And that's what I realized, you know, throughout this challenge after, you know, doing all of my endurance events and, you know, everything so far up to this point, it was like, I was able to go ahead and see that like, wow, this kind of event is, is, is special. It's one of a kind. It, it really is. Yeah, and it's yeah. because it doesn't just test you physically. Cause again, 
you can run anybody can run 30 uh, a 30 mile race if they train for it and it, it and if they train for it properly mentally it might not affect them as much as now let's go ahead and put a 50 pound pack on your back and move for 30 miles yeah you might have the aerobic capacity and the strength to carry yourself without extra load across 30 miles can you do it now with a 50 pound pound pack on your back I suppose as well, plus all the additional kind of, um, I guess like the emotional, not baggage, I suppose that's the wrong way of looking at it, but but what the recon challenge represents, like what you were talking about before, the fact it's not necessarily just a kind of a physical like event. There's a lot of different energy that comes with it is the kind of way I want to look yeah. at that, right? There's a lot of different types of energy yeah. that come um, with that. And it's it's learning how to manage it really really honestly with it with those kind of thoughts and and like was that sort of awareness with you in your training like when you're building yeah. it is that something you're yeah aware of? and i and I, i'm writing of something I, re, I just got done writing like i think it's like two thousand words or whatever else just my my way of like desynthesizing and understanding things but mm, nice. i ended up i ended up actually like looking back at that time period and, and the, the answer is yeah the, the energy was very different once i found out i was going to be training for something everything became I became a little more heightened like awareness in a sense is kind okay. of just kind of was like Whoo. it and it was kind mm. of the realization of oh I'm really doing this like I'm gonna go back and do a specific thing in the community that I live part of and and I'm still walking and talking and talking about that thing oh wow this is this is serious <laughs> yeah it's real and, yeah. and with that with that with that thought process it was like well that's cool like you did it in the past. You can do it again. And, and, you know, when Kovar asked me, when he called me and was like, Hey man, you want to run the challenge? You know, my first response honestly was more of a, well, they don't let any civilians run it. So I am not able to. And he goes, well, that's the civilian waiver got, you know, signed and you just got to like, I just talked to Packy about it and you can run it. And I was like, no way. And I was like, well, he was like, yeah, you're five weeks away. You got this. And I was like, I haven't like <laughs> at that moment, like I like my heart raced and even thinking about it now, it's like, I'm like, holy cow. Like there was no way for me to say no because I knew yeah. what the community meant to me. I knew what the challenge meant to me. I knew what it meant to everyone else. And I knew what it meant to co uh, to Josh as well, you know, just yeah, from sure. why he wanted to do it. You know, it wasn't about the placing. It wasn't about, it was, this was just to go out there and compete. Like we, we didn't care. We even said in the beginning, you know, even if we're in last place, we're completing this to, 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 for our fallen brothers, this is what it's about. Mm. And his word, and I was like, and I was like, well, I haven't rucked in a long time. I haven't been running. He was like, dude, so what? He's like, he's like, you're a recomer and you can do anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's an awesome like mindset. To have. And a hundred percent. And when he said that, I was like, you know what? He's right. And like in that moment, I was like, all right, let's do it. And I walked upstairs yeah. after we got off the phone and I told Savannah, I was like, hey, I'm running the recon challenge. She's like, you're doing what? And I explained it to her and she didn't she didn't believe me at first, I don't think, because I didn't think I believed myself yeah. yet. Um, so then a couple of days later, I ended up talking to Packy and figuring it out like, oh yeah, you're good to run. And even he said some really cool things that like made me be more accountable to myself and to my partner and to everyone else and to the, what the challenge was about anyways, was to be able to stay accountable and disciplined to like, you know, myself and what I'm doing, you know, for training and life and balance mm -hmm. and as a whole was really cool. And, you know, Packy was like, you know, yeah, you, so he's like, you have a good name in the community. And like when, when someone tells you that from a community like that, it's like that carries a lot of weight and yeah. it, it, yeah. 
it was another thing of pressure. <laughs> yeah, because I just to, to kind of put it in context, you were obviously you were five weeks out, but you were training on your own as well. Yeah, you? it's not like you guys were training together. As Correct. A yes, I, I pretty much trained my whole time by myself. The first time that me and Kovar, you know, or Josh ran together, everyone knows who he is. Um, ran it together was that was pretty much the morning that we started and we did a little three mile run the day prior that warmed us up and woke us back up and some movement stuff. And, and we just kind of moved and talked, but everything kind of came together on the, <laughs> mm -hmm. on the trail yeah. and on the event while it started. Um, wow. So, so yeah, can you, can you talk us through kind of exactly what your, your training looked like in those? So what would that be the four yeah, weeks no, from this point? So the, the kind of pick up from, from where we left off, you know, that's I mean, I one. could, what, I could totally get into the weeds about it, but you know, the way, the simplest way I can look at it is I stuck to, you know, two gym sessions a week. I stuck to three swim sessions a week and I stuck to, um, it, and it flip-flopped either two ruck sessions or three rucks or two ruck sessions, one run, run session or two run sessions, one ruck session. And, okay. you know, in both of, you know, in one of those ruck sessions or run sessions, it was focused on time on feet and time under load. So what does time under feet and time under load look like? Time under feet means obviously the time that you're going to go ahead and be moving um, on your feet with load and without load. And that matters because realistically your body doesn't know, doesn't know miles. It knows time duration, stress in that manner. So it's not sitting there counting, oh, there's one mile, there's two miles. That's you doing it. So your body just knows stress. So all you're doing is trying to improve and create some more tolerance to the stress levels of what's gonna be happening when you come with that. Well then, now in most endurance events, that's kind of what you focus on. You're really not carrying heavy loads like you'll be now with a 50 pound pack on your back. Now you have to also start teaching not just the body from a physical standpoint, but from a psychological standpoint, how the two should go ahead and how to manage energy and not waste so much of it while being under load. Because now it turns from not just being a, a metabolic event and now becomes a metabolic and a CNS demand event, right? Sure. So really understanding how to blend the two together. And that's really what I focused on ultimately. And again, mm -hmm. I knew in previous experiences and what this looks like that guys are going to be moving anywhere between nine to 13 hours, depending on pace, the individual you're because okay. you're only as fast as your slowest guy. So as a team, right. you want to be fast together. You guys want to stay consistent. And that's what I think helped out Josh and I. And he probably was a little bit faster than I was, but I was able to keep up at his 80%, 90%, I believe. Right? Because again, we know Josh wasn't yeah, 100% yeah. two weeks out from Best Ranger Challenge. My goal was to get him back to 80, 90% to get, to, so that he can still perform. That was my ultimate goal. Because then it's like, okay, cool. Then I can try and meet that. And ultimately, like I actually came in there a fitter than I expected. I, I was really happy yeah. with my with my fitness coming in mentally and physically. And mm. and so if we look at like oh it. sorry sorry no no it was just go for it I was just gonna say if we, if we look at the the physical stuff like when you send that kind of time on feet and things like that did you have a plan of uh like of kind of numbers yes. like did you know how, like where what you wanted to get to is that like a weekly yeah. thing or how, how so did you just from previous experiences one with working with athletes and try and and knowing what a peak looks like what an intensification phase looks like and what an accumulation phase looks like you know when you're getting an athlete ready for you know a 50 mile race or a 100 mile race and you have some time to do so you know you end up having the ability to go ahead and develop a block where you can go ahead and build someone up to go ahead and run a 50k within five weeks 
And I took that same manner because again, most individuals, if they're coming to you to want to run a 50K and they've ran a marathon before, they're probably averaging about 20 miles a week to 25 to 30 miles a week. What does that accumulate to time on feet? Depending on time and pace of these individuals, it now varies anywhere between possibly five to eight hours, seven hours, right? If you think about that, even four okay. to, to even in the lowest four to that. So what does that look like for, for someone who wants to now train for a 50K? Well, it's like, all right, cool. We just need to go ahead and get you consistent hitting, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten hours time on feet a week because then we can go ahead and let you deload for a week and you will be able to now handle putting, you know, an extra five miles on that following week or three miles if you want in a very small percentage. Mm -hmm. And that was the same idea I kind of looked at here was like, all right, I'm just going to prep myself as if I'm getting ready to run a 50 miler in 12 weeks. What would I, what would I do there to get me ready to get into an eight week block that will prep me for that 50 miler? And that's how I looked at it from this perspective was like, okay, cool. Okay. Well, I've been knowing I've only ran about, you know, I was doing two mile walks or two mile, three mile hikes. I was doing a lot of climbing just in general, just once a week or twice a week before going into that phase. And I was getting out for some easy runs, you know, for three miles, push the baby in the, in, in the bob and just get out and move and then come home, not tracking nothing, none of that stuff, just going out and doing those things. So I knew that I had somewhat like I could go ahead and get back in it. And I knew that for me to get back into it was just going to be a, a more of a psychological switch. Cause I know my body's there. It was more of just like, all right, Hey, let's yeah. wake the system up. Let's wake the mindset up. Like this is what we're going to start getting ready to do. And I think that's what the first week was really focused on. And then the next, the, the next three weeks was focused on just consistency of that. Kind of building up that, like we, we kind of talk about kind of acute chronic work Correct. ratios and things, just building up that. that yeah. And base. that's all I was, that's all I focused on, you know? Okay. So I went from, you know, that first week I talked about, I think I hit seven, eight hours. And then the following next three weeks, I was up at nine to 11 hours each week. And that was just time on feet. Yeah. So kind of systematic. Correct. And that was all time yeah. on feet and time under load um, as well. That's not including mm. gym time or swim time. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I definitely want to dive into that. Pardon the pun. I want to dive into that stuff in a second. But like in, in terms of the, the endurance work, did you did you kind of look at or consider speed at all, or was it just clocking those hours? So where I got the speed, where I got the speed at was in my running. So again, there was days in the running okay. where like if I went out for a ninety minute run, I would throw in you know thirty second surges, where it would just be like, all right, cool, hey, oh, find sure. a piece of terrain where I just drop thirty seconds of an increased pace and doing that stuff. Mm-hmm. Only reason why I threw that in was just to kind of get the system used to changing gears and get used to doing that, especially when I have to start climbing a mountain with a ruck on your back because the gears do change. And it feels like you get into like yeah. a, a zone, like a, a gear three and it's just a slow grind. But the bigger your base, mm-hmm. that zone three grind becomes a, a pretty efficient, you know, flow up a mountain, you know, and, and I can use yeah. that for example, and, and I don't want to get too much into the race, but like we passed six teams climbing up the big, the main climb, oh, nice. you know, and that wow. came from, again, yeah. those understandings like, okay, cool. Like, I just got to keep moving here. I know I've prepped for this. The legs are there. This is just going to be one of those mental grinds physically and mentally. You're just going to have to just keep getting through it. And it, that's ultimately like what woke me up for the, for the event. It was like six, seven miles in climbing up that up old smoky. Yeah. But to go back to look at it, you know, there were certain types of climbs and certain types of efforts that I did in my training to mimic the same idea of what might happen in a race in, in an event like such. Right, I see. Yeah. So the, yeah. It, it's not okay. just coming down to, you know, just getting out and training. There's a lot more variables that come into play about it. Mm. I guess you almost have to kind of like, cause you didn't have the luxury of being able to 
to to build a huge base and then kind of gradually work up from there. You have to almost kind of rush into like specific training based on kind of reverse engineering back from what you knew the, the kind of the contents of the challenge yep. would be. Okay. Oh, cool. Um, and, and what, so yeah, talk us through like the, so the other stuff. So you said you were running and swimming, obviously, uh, sorry, running and rucking, obviously, but then the strength work and the pool work, they were your other kind of main training stimulus. Um, so the way the strength work worked, the two, I had one day, which was focused on power speed and, and, you know, your absolute strength, like one, one rep for speed. And what I did was I ended up, you know, focusing on hitting, I ended up building up to like a three, five RM and back squat. I think a couple of weeks prior to that just for fun. And I think I hit like a two seventy five, and it was still, but me going for that was like position stuff. And again, I'm not squatting like I used to when I was weightlifting, but if for me that felt strong, so I was like, all right, cool. Let's go ahead and see how about I just use this now for singles for speed and gives me an insight mm -hmm. to what my CNS is doing and, and how I'm recovering. So I started implementing that in yeah. for the next, I pretty much implemented that for the whole four weeks until the lead, the week leading into the event. And it really helped okay. me really see how my central nervous system was taking to the endurance work. Yeah. And it actually matched with understanding the readings from my HRV stuff and my heart rate variability. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And was that, was that something you used then to dictate the training? Like if you're, if say the bar speed was a little bit off or, or like HRV values were out of, out of kilter, were you able to kind of adjust? Yes, because what I was doing what was, was doing I was using these metrics not as a performance metrics, but as a recovery metric. Okay. So the way I looked at it was like, okay, cool. I'm at a specific number that I want to be at to train every single day. If I'm not the close, the further I'm away from that, the further I'm digging a hole for myself. So I need to go ahead and maintain that I need to stay above, you know, let's say a scale of one to 10. I need to stay above an eight at all times when I come in and train or stay above a seven. And I know that, yeah, over this yeah. next four or five weeks, I'm going to start dropping down slightly because that's because the fatigue kicks in, overload kicks in. So I knew that I was like, okay, cool. I need to start doing things that are going to help keep me above these numbers during these weeks. If that's an, it's a very mm -hmm. a visual someone can see. Yeah, it makes sense because like you haven't got time to drop down to the three or four Correct. to then, like supercompensate back Correct. up. Yeah, I got so you know, okay. leading in through that second, you know, the second, that third, and that fourth week, you know when I got into that third week going out for that, like one of the four hour ruck efforts at like 55, 60 pounds, mentally I was out of it, dude. It was, it was, a, it was, a, it was a fight, but it like was a good fight. It kind of mimicked a lot of what it felt like in some of the parts of the event, but it also was able to like, okay, cool. I've been here before under a ruck. I know what this feels like. Yeah. Some familiarity. And that's exactly what it was. It was just kind of getting the headspace mm -hmm. again, back to what my body used to at the same time, you know, with the efforts that I was going in out in the mountains here, you know, in the trails I was at, my heart rate never got above 140 beats per minute at most times, unless I'm climbing up something really okay. high and then it might skyrocket to a 155, 160. But other than that, my heart rate was always below like my max aerobic function heart rate, which I ultimately believe allowed for me to go ahead and just strengthen my heart that much more to handle the load so it managed my CNS. And that's what going back to my strength work you know, showed me was like, mm. oh no, I was able still to like do some really good technique work. I was still able to get some accessory work in. I was able to then, you know, go into my week for swimming and in and, and my rucking or running stuff and feel strong and powerful and durable because then that carries over into the confidence for, you know, the following week or for my next big session. 
Yeah. Yeah. So strengths almost like to support the other stuff. hundred percent. And that's what it, and that's what it ended yeah. up being, you know, the same thing in that, that second strength day, like I talked about, it was focused more on full body strength, unilateral development, farmers, carries, strongman type things. And when I say strongman, I mean, you know, we look at strongman not in terms of the way everyone looks at sport of strongman. We look at strongman in, the, in, in our realm as these different types of carries, throws. You know, you move in different directions and you you move. You know, weight, external load, and and that's what we talk about. And and for that, I really live by that. I believe that's a really big piece of like some really good strength in the system. So you know, I was throwing in single arm farmers carries. I was throwing in you know walking lunges. I was throwing in single arm you know kettlebell deadlifts. I was doing single arm, you know, presses, bent over rows. I was doing a lot of stuff from a unilateral you know, perspective because I knew like carrying an external load, I was going to have to be used to shifting and having that neurological connection of maintaining tension while moving one other extremity at times. So that's the way I viewed my strength work. And then I went into a bunch of, you know, a l- bunch of spine and trunk stability and strengthening stuff, you know, from, and, and and again, all of that just led to just being stronger under my gear, under my ruck and running, and, and it made me feel really good. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess like sort of maintaining or, or maximizing, as you say, efficiency and economy has got to be like the end of the game in, in anything like and that. And that's kind of the way I was looking at it. You know, when we go back to talking about the conscious warrior system and, the, and, and when we talk about, you know, the seminar that we're developing, and I've talked about this in previous seminars before too, when we look at the four M's, right, movement literacy, when we look at movement economy and variability, well, what gives us that? It's not just, you know, mobility, flexibility. No, it's strength, power, speed, endurance. It's the ability to go ahead and 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 move in certain unawkward positions at times and you have the stability and the durability and the resiliency to do so. It was the same idea I kind of had here with the ruck, and I think we carry that into it as well to our tactical community, those who carry load carriages. So again, there's reasons why you want to work those unilateral aspects, and that was kind of the premise for myself was like, I'm just following my foundation of what I do with my athletes and what we write for Softleet and what we do with all those things. Like I'm going with that, right? Because I know that works. Like why wouldn't it not work? Mm -hmm. I see it happen in front of me. I've done it before. And again, and it went to it comes back to like, well, I haven't been training this way for a specific thing in the past, you know, almost year, uh, almost 20, 21 months, you know, you know, since COVID hit, things changed, kind of took a backseat and just focused on just kind of lifestyle stuff to be able to get back into that headspace and get the mind ready to be like, okay, cool. The strength work really just kind of help add to the chiseling of whatever it is I was trying to like, you know, work on in that moment. Yeah, yeah, it sounds it sounds real cool. I was just kind of wondering, like with with obviously a, a massive uptick in in the volume and, and the intensity of the training you were completing. I imagine like calorific expenditure must have been off the chart. Were you sort of tracking like how much you were burning? And so I didn't track how much I was burning. Um, at times for me, man, sometimes it's just the numbers are not always correct, and I don't want to go by that. What I usually just go off of is going to be by my total time training so you know if i exceed over three four hours of training i know that i'm gonna go ahead and just be a a a a pit of food but that pit of food is gonna go ahead and be healthy high quality carbohydrates it's gonna go ahead and be those things and in the past i wouldn't have thought about it this way but what was really cool was with me tracking hrv tracking resting heart rate i saw that the more food i ate actually i was able to stay within that nine or ten recovery block longer and more Mm -hmm. often because I was staying hydrated and I was just eating really high quality foods in high amounts. Mm. Did you have any like 
kind of specific yeah, go-tos, so, like meals or So snacks. one of my good go-tos that I went to was butter noodles with Parmesan cheese and a red oh, nice. and a ribeye steak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And an avocado on the side. That was yeah. a meal. Oh, that sounds awesome. Um, and then like a dessert yeah. I would go to, I would get like a, a fourth, like a, uh, like a very, I guess you can say if one fourth cup of ice cream put in a bowl, okay. I would then get yogurt that was high in fat, high in carb. Like I'd put that inside there. I would get some berries, blueberries, and then I'll get some honey and put honey in it. And I would mix that together and eat that as a snack. Oh, that sounds epic. That's making me yeah. just thinking about it. And then I lived off of, I lived <laughs> yeah. off of, um, Oh, and then I also got into like making my own pizzas because I wanted to keep all my ingredients. Like, so the way I'm looking at my nutrition is like the less ingredients, the healthier and the higher quality food, the better gives you the more nutrients. And that's kind of how I looked at, you know, how do I do this in this headspace, but training for a specific event like this now, because the past year and a half, I've just wholly taken my different view on nutrition, which can be a completely different talk. But it was like, how do I take what I've learned in this past year and a half of how I eat now and how it's helped me be healthier? How do I take it into an event Hmm. like this where I have to consume up to 5,000 calories a day? Because that's ultimately what ended up happening. So was it kind of essentially you were were following the same principles, but it was just more, like you increasing how much, okay. So you didn't kind of have to well, change what you I actually just increased my carbohydrate you... intake. Okay. Uh, that kind of so makes So that's sense. really what I did. I, I increased my carbohydrate intake. My protein levels stayed the same. My fats probably went up as well a little bit more with the carbohydrate intake just to balance hormones and yeah. be like, hey, this is what's going on. But, you know, the way I looked at it was is, you know, certain days if I was going to go out and do a fasted session because I'm focusing on more of a fat adaptation training session, then I would I would stop eating at 8 o'clock that night and not eat again until after my easy like run in the morning or my swim or my or my ruck. And, and, and usually those sessions were at like a no higher than a 150 heart rate and I'm just teaching my system to burn through that glycogen so then I can go ahead and start utilizing fat as fuel. And the reason why is because okay. endurance is a metabolic sport, meaning – for you to go fast, you need glycogen, but also for you to go the distance and longer periods, you need fat adaptation as well. And that's what is a huge part of, of, of implementing the two. And I think we get away from that as we look at strength and endurance. Everyone thinks strength and endurance is this 90 minute window when it's like, Hey, in 90 minutes, nothing really happens. Let's just be completely honest. And sometimes in 60 minutes where the magic starts to happen is when guys get into that three, four hour time period when they're moving and they're actually really having to now rely more on, you know, the fat calorie than the, than the carbohydrate calorie. But when we put the carbohydrate calorie in, what ends up happening to it, it becomes a super food, a super fuel to go ahead and give you that extra boost, but then your body's still able to switch. So the way I looked at it was like, I had just changed my system to be more metabolically flexible. How do I go ahead and keep doing that in, in this type of training now, when I know I have to support my training with food and hydration and that was massive. And, and that's what helped me kind of mitigate and know what it was. And I, I remember you kind of saying at the time that you were being quite deliberate with what you were doing so far as kind of hydration strategies because you, you were kind of aware of like, even though in, in Utah where you were training, it's not that hot yet, but you were saying like you're aware of cramping and, yeah. and kind of things like that. So I ended up using, um, I ended up, so I, I focused on nutrition that way. And at the same time, I also started focusing on the type of minerals, I was, the, the, the amount of minerals I was putting in, so potassium, magnesium, uh, and sodium. And I started using um, Raylite. It's made from Redmond Salt Company. And it's a really good mix. And what I was doing with that was every morning when I wake up, I would go ahead and take in eight ounces of water and then I'll do eight ounces of that with a scoop. So a serving of that and eight ounces of water and put that down. And then, you know, have breakfast 
And, and then from there, depending if I was training that morning or I was going to do a facet session that morning, that's what I, it would, it would, it would vary on what I was doing. Most of the times going into a strength okay. session, I never went in fasted. If I was going to the pool that morning, it was most of the time it was every time I would go in fasted. If I was going on for a run and it was only for 60 minutes to 90 minutes, I would take some, you know, I'd drink the, the ray light in the morning with my morning routine. And then I'll put a little bit inside my water bottle and go for a run. Okay. So you take it out Correct. with you as well. Correct. And, and the sure. only reason why I knew that worked yeah, okay. was because um, back in 2019, I was I was running uh, Liana Divide 100K or, or 50 mile or one of those two. And the right. week going into it, I got stomach I got a stomach virus and I had like food poisoning, so I couldn't eat any food going into the event. So going into the morning of the race. You know, my go-to was always for my prior go-to was always like some kind of oatmeal with peanut butter and honey and berries and this huge carb load. But what I started finding was it was making me lethargic and not able to like go in the start of the races I like want to. I wasn't able to get that um for okay. it. Just made me feel really low and I couldn't get moving until deeper into a race. So I started getting rid of that and I started moving more to a whole milk with cream, heavy cream, protein, honey mixed together and I just drink that in the morning within like an hour before my effort of me going out for a long day. And that was kind of my way of, of, you know, looking at what helped me get me going in the morning for a session. Yeah. So, and it's calories. <laughs> I, mean, I was just going to say that. Yeah. That's, that's going to make it much easier for you to pound the calories if you're, if you kind of lean a bit heavy, more heavily on Correct. the Correct. So again, going back to looking at this this idea of like, well, I know I need to do this, but it also I know that from a central nervous system perspective, I need carbohydrates to recover. So I need mm -hmm. to go ahead and go ahead and put in. So I increased my, my sweet potato intake. I increased, you know, I added in, you know, these noodles that were like five ingredients or less that are super clean, organic. And I had that and it was not even organic, but it's just, and then a bunch of butter and Parmesan eating that with the steak, um, chicken, something like that to where it would balance everything out and then crush berries. And again, the go-tos were, like I said, you know, ice cream blended with, you know, a little bit of, of yogurt or some yogurt and some honey and some blueberries. Again, all this carbohydrates, but all this fat. And, and if you look at it, all of that stuff. And, and did I have vegetables? Yes. I ate like zucchinis. I had, um, carrots. I ate all those things, but that wasn't like a huge part of my diet. It was just pieces I would throw in here and there. But again, everything else was just focused on, you know, how do I get as much nutrients into my system as possible to help support my training? And that's ultimately what I was doing. Mm, yeah. I, I guess you like for, for tolerating those kind of sort of those volumes of training, you, you have to, I mean, was it, was there any other, like recovery protocols aside from nutrition and sleep, obviously that, that you were using, was there anything else you were, you were kind of Yeah. So one thing I knew is my body responds okay. really well off of, uh, massage work. So body work and like really good body work of like loosening up or breaking of the muscles. And I, I knew that that was going to be the key was like, all right, cool. Okay. If I can get body work, you know, once every two weeks, this will be good for me. So that's two massages within, you know, that five week period. And if I can, you know, keep everything at home, you know, at bay, meaning that, you know, when I'm training for a hundred mile races, man, like you're putting in 14 to 15 hour weeks of running 16 hours a week of running. Yeah. Like a kind of Correct, job right? to, to train. Yeah. And recover. So like you have to be able to recover from running for four or five hours at one day and you have another four hour run the next day and you have to be able to recover. So what are you doing? So I'm at home, you know, I got used to just sitting there hanging out at home, you know, if I'm watching TV, 
you know, I'm there flushing my legs out with some kind of grassing tool. I bought like some cupping sets that I have at home and I'll just work on my legs. I'll stretch while I'm watching TV instead of just laying on the couch as if I didn't need to. Cause again, I do that as well, but it was like, well, no, I got to recover and I need to go ahead. Cause I'm getting ready to go back out again tomorrow. I need to stay clean. I need to stay, I need to stay clean. I need to stay healthy. I need to stay this idea of like keeping my muscles, you know, fresh to keep moving. So I kind of carried that in there as well. And I'm not gonna lie, like there was some like little tiny like bang ups, you know, I, I, one thing for me I noticed is when I cut back my volume and running, when I'm not hitting 50, 60 miles a week as I have in the past, um, and I'm only hitting that 30 mile marker, um, 40 mile marker when I start building to it, I start, he says only. <laughs> I start getting like IT band issues sometimes and like my knees and my glutes start to bother me. And what I notice is it's my body. I have to work more on the smaller muscles at times during that time period, but it's my body. It's way of just getting through that umph to get to the next thing. So I'm just keeping it at bay and watching it through, making sure it gets away. And then I get some massage work on it, flushes it all out. And the next thing you know, I'm able to handle 40 mile weeks with no, no pain anywhere. Mm, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, 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 um, that's quite something that, like I said, that volume just kind of, this is someone who I've come from much more from a, a speed power sprint background. So trying to wrap my head around that is, is pretty, pretty yeah. insane. Um, did you, did you, I was just going to ask as well, like for those guys who, who don't know, George is also finishing his uh, his degree in psychology alongside all this, <laughs> as you do, just <laughs> just maximizing every minute of the day. Do, were you able to kind of lean on any of that stuff? Like, anything? yeah, I know you're quite big on your sort of meditation and visualization. Anyway, was that? Was that a deliberate part? You know what's funny is like my meditation was in the pool. So a lot of the times when like when I was in the pool doing underwater breath work and you know, practicing not tying and practicing walking a kettlebell or a, a brick under the water or just swimming for, you know, 15 to 20 minutes with fins on and just zoning out. Like that was my meditation. I found myself doing more of, and those times allowed for me to like really go through what the event's going to be like, how I wanted the event to be like in my own head and what to expect of the event again. Cause we don't know what's going to happen. We can just, you know, create our own movie in our own head and that was kind of the idea behind that was like, all right, cool. I'm going to go ahead and develop, you know, this thought process and this movie in my head and I'm going to go ahead and look into it. And this is what I want to expect. And I know what to expect because I've been here before in this position. But again, every, every time you do these kinds of things are always different, dude. That's why you always go back to them. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So taking some of the uncertainty out. Yeah. By yeah. hundred percent. I think that's yeah. what it was, was taking the uncertainty out. So meditation was things goal setting. Yes. I had goal sets within every training session. So there was a training session I had, there was a goal set into it. And it also mm -hmm. too, it's okay. like, it was a goal. It was a goal that was very achievable. Um, and over time, over, over those, the weeks went on, I started moving those goals to be a little bit, a little bit more harder, but still achievable. So again, we'll use the scale method of one to 10, you know, an unachievable scale, an unachievable goal will be 10. The most easiest achievable goal will be one, you know, maybe week one and two, I opened up with, you know, a seven or an eight. And then I just progressed over to like that eight and nine. And then I just stayed at that nine to where I saved those extra like effort for the weekend of the race where I was okay, cool. Now here this yeah. is. So I started doing a lot of goal setting in terms of like what's achievable and what's in and what is not looking at the training session and then looking how I wanted to do it. And honestly, man, when I went into the sessions, it was kind of like, all right, what do I need to do today? This is what I need to do. This is how I need to do it. All right, get this done in this time period. All right, cool. What's next? Get this next. So I kind of broke it down mm. like the session and the objective in the same way. I kind of focused on the race. Okay. Yeah. Almost kind of micro. Correct. And yeah. that's, 
hundred percent. That's exactly kind of what I, is exactly what I did. And it allowed for me, you know, to prep the system for, you know, swimming in camis again, for doing underwater confidence tarp work, to go ahead and tie knots under, you know, under a breath holds, to be able to complete the underwater crossover in camis because that's not an easy feat either. You know, being able to do certain mm -hmm. things in these in in, in your utilities is not always heaping. This is it's like they're big pajamas at times. So it, it, yeah, it, it takes yeah. a little more effort. So being able to like have the mental fortitude and develop that mental toughness and build it through those types of you know, exposures and setting up those micro goals allowed for, you know, at the end of the day, the macro goal wasn't really ever seen. It was more of whatever the micro goals created, created this end up of whatever that was. Sure, almost like kind of a snowball Correct. effect, I suppose. Like, like the momentum is just rolling so much that by the time you've done your five weeks, you're, you kind of you there and and i'll tell you what man like this goes for me and every athlete that i've helped and and you know and those who you know are listening is the goal to get into these when you're getting into these long endurance events and doing stuff like the recon challenge or if you're training for the best ranger challenge or you're training for you know the best medic or the best sniper whatever those things are the idea behind this is to go ahead and remove all the uncertainty meaning that you have the ability to go ahead and and, and you've weaponized yourself to be able to handle any situation that comes at you. And when the unknown does happen, you have the tools to still go ahead and respond in a way you need to. And I think that's that's ultimately kind of where, you know, this idea of visualization came into play really well was, all right, cool. There's enough information out there to show you what this event's gonna look like or what events are gonna look like, X, Y, and Z. You have probably friends who know friends who've been in it. Go ahead and start picking people's brains, asking questions so that you can then develop the, the clearest picture you can in that moment of what you know about it so that you can handle it. So when it does come into specific, it's not, again, you're not training yourself to be like, oh, I know what's going to happen around the corner. No, but you're able to train yourself and handle yourself when that jack learn, you know, is inside its box and you're just slowly cranking it, cranking it. And when it does pop up, you're not elevated to like freak out. You can handle it, manage it, and keep moving forward. So yeah. the visualization was I mean, massive. I, I guess literally why we do recon, like why why recon is a thing. Well, and that's the, the crazy part, right? Is because at the end of the day, you know, we're just trying to collect as much intel as possible to develop our own picture in our head. And the exact same thing is I've said this in the past. You know, I'm no longer doing external reconnaissance as a profession. I'm now doing internal reconnaissance for a lifestyle, for longevity, meaning that I go ahead and try and do those things. So yeah, was I doing visualization work leading up to the competition? Did I like look at myself, run through how I'm going to break surf, how I'm going to go ahead and fin, how I'm going to put my fins on, how I'm going to take my gear out, how I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, and how every single time I leave an area, I'm going to go ahead and do a situational wear check, meaning I check around me as well as I check on the floor and make sure the area is sanitized. Because again, we leave something back, you're, you, you are DQ'd. Again, that's part of it, right? Leave no trace. So it was that idea of like, okay, cool. If I'm able to go ahead and just visualize always going through these different things, when it's time to actually put them into action on game day, it's a natural habit and I'm not wasting energy doing it. It's just a natural like, boom, oh, cool. Sanitize, check, situation aware, check. Where's everyone at? Where are we at? We good? Keep moving. Let's go. Yeah, it kind of becomes a habit. Correct, and it's kind of one of those things where it was every single time we stopped an objective. And the same thing, that micro goal setting was the same way we went into the event. It was like, hey, look, we're going to take it objective by objective. We're not going to take it distance by yeah. distance. No, it's going to be objective by objective, and we're going to go ahead and focus on it. And that's what we did the whole day. It was like, all right, cool, the fin, sweet. Now we're moving to the pool. All right, cool, the pool's done. Okay, the old course is done. Cool. Now let's move to the comm shop. Boom. From there, we moved. Let's move down and get to the next position, which was, I, I believe, was the Kim's game you know, 
And then from okay. there, you push to the combat town. The combat town had an event there that you had to carry a dummy out from a second store building and move him on a litter. And, or you can move him however you wanted to, but get him safely to an area where you had to call in a nine-line Kazavak. And then from there, you keep moving. And then you get drop, you drop down into a, a, a football field where you do a farmer's carry, uh, a fireman's carry of a buddy for 400 meters. Each person does it. And then you flow and you go into the next objective, which is a rifle, uh, which is a rifle range and a pistol shoot. So you have unknown distance and a pistol shoot. And then from there you have one more pool event. And then from that pool event, you have one more, one more finish on top of a, on top of the ridge that you have to climb up on, finish out there. And then you push down. So it was one of those things where there was so much work to be done in the day. The only way to go ahead and get after it, the way that Josh and I said, it was like, how do you eat an elephant? <laughs> yeah, yeah. and it's piece. kind of a lot like life right it's like how do you eat the elephant it's like yeah. well, piece by piece so that's literally what we literally it is what we did and 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 to be honest yeah. you know at the end of the day it really helped out the idea of you know being able to have the visualization when i look at it from that standpoint to really help me move forward and have the confidence to mm -hmm. be able to sustain and handle and compete and have the consistency in there because that's ultimately the way we looked at it yeah yeah and like so just a lot last sort of thing i really wanted to ask about before we I, i'm desperate to start to to kind of hear more about the event itself but just in 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 terms of like your your prep i remember you saying you you kind of done the challenge before and, and you've spoken to um to people who had done it as well like did your do you think your time frame compressed time frame aside did your prep was your prep any different this time with like the benefit of experience and of kind of what you what you know from your, your studies and from research and things um like i guess that's kind of a loaded question i suppose how was it different from what you had done before I'll, does that kind of make no, sense I, I get what you're saying because like I, i'll be honest with you like i came in fitter for this event than i did when i came in in 2012 and in 2012 okay. i was crossfitting all the time i was ruck running swimming with the students all the time um because i was an instructor at the schoolhouse at the same in the period but again what really lacked was that time on feet, time under load variable. Because whenever I trained mm -hmm. for that event, I think the furthest we were going was two and a half hours with the ruck on our back, and that was probably once, you know, a week for four weeks and nothing crazy. So when we got into the event, you know, when we got to that, you know, when I look back at 2012, the back end of that race, I remember miles like 20 to 23 were just a slugfest, man. Um, you know, and then <laughs> yeah. all of a sudden I got a little kick in the back, but it took me almost two to three weeks to recover from that event. Wow. You know, so yeah. like, did my training look the same as it did? No. Did I do any of like the mental skills tests that I was doing? Did I do any of the, you know, the visualization, the meditation, goal setting? Not as much. And that was that same time period, mm -hmm. you know, when I had, you know, my master, uh, master guns asked me when I came back from a ruck for training for the recon challenge, he was like, Hey, Brionis, what is it you, uh, you think about when you're out ruck running and, you know, me gun host sergeant instructor at the time period, I was like, I go to the, I go to the zone gun or master guns. I don't think about anything X, Y, and Z. And I've said this story in the past. So people probably like heard this, but, uh, and he goes, that's why you're a JV and not varsity. And at that moment it was like, Oh, oh I yeah. need to like yeah, it's like, oh, so, you know, coming back into that, you know, having experiences like that to where I never really understood it, even at that time period as a kid. But when I look back at it today, I'm like, that's what he meant 10 years later. Mm. It allows for me to yeah. go ahead and see it. You know, it's like, yeah, I've actually got to, you know, I've gained some wisdom and I've gained some experience from doing these things that have allowed for me to, you know, to be a little bit more successful. And it's really cool for me to have the ability and the platform to sit here and inform and share with those some of these experiences. Because again, 
it's not that I'm gonna, it's not that I'm not, it's not that like all of these facts that we're saying, cause they are facts, we've seen them work, are gonna be, uh, gonna be great for everybody, right? It's just, it, it's a, just a certain way to skin a cat. And I think that when it comes to this idea, the way I've looked at like my training, con my training content and the way I've looked at like my nutrition, hydration strategies, the way I've looked at my recovery and all of this and my psychological strategies to support my training load. And then, you know, like you, we talked about my, my taper, and of going into that and what that looked like. And it actually looked a lot different than what it usually looks like. That means I was in the pool a lot more. I was, I was in the pool, you know, three days out of that week, I only did a three mile run the day prior and some like movement strength work. And that was it, you know? And, yeah. and, it, and I went yeah. in really head, headstrong head, like my, fr I was fresh mentally and physically, you know, when I say I was headstrong, it was really just in a place of like, all right, cool. I'm, I'm fresh enough and I feel good. I'm fit. I'm going to celebrate my fitness today and, and throw it down for those who, you know, are no longer with us. And for those who, you know, have had, have, you know, taken that ultimate sacrifice if you want to get there. And it was for the gold star families and to be able to have that placard on your, on your ruck of who you're carrying, carrying dog tags, it, it just kind of becomes this ultimate, you know, ball of i guess magic that allows for you to really succeed and perform to the ability that you believe you can and i think that was a big thing for me was like i believed in myself i just had never really pushed myself um to be able to blend all these things together like this in 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 this in 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 this in this way in this time period compared to a year and a half ago yeah yeah and I mean, even 2012 like i, like I said yeah yeah yeah, that was kind of going to be my, my next thing, really. If so, if if uh, obviously we probably would advise people not to try and go from <laughs> zero to hero like George in, in kind of in five weeks. But like, if if someone has to get ready for a for a kind of a short notice um, op deployment competition or whatever, what say three things would you like three bits of, of golden sun bearing advice <laughs> would you would you pass on? Man, that's a really, I feel like that's a loaded question just because I think there's a lot of variables that you have to look at it, look at it and, and different views because, you know, you are going to have to understand what is my op tempo going to be like? What is, and how does that factor into, you know, the things that I'm going to be doing outside of that? Meaning, am I going to be able to sleep properly? Am I going to be able to eat properly? Am I going to be able to, you know, do the things I need to be able to come back and be operational ready? And I believe that's the kind of the way you, ha you have to look at it when it comes to training for events like this or even getting trying to become operational it's like all right how do i set myself up with the with how do i set myself up with the most success to allow for me to go ahead and stay operational ready again that idea of remaining at that eight or nine at all times because again i don't know if you always want to be at a 10 i think those those are special moments but i think if you can learn to manage around a seven and eight and a nine you actually you know increase that <laughs> that uh that volume to allow for it to go higher and have. Yeah. Like keeping some back. For game day almost, whatever, whatever game. Correct. Day like. So, yeah. you know, that's a variable that I would, I would take to look at and understand that. Um, the second one is really learn and, and understand that specificity matters that close to an event or that close to a deployment. Mm -hmm. So for example, if you know, if you're someone who, and it can even go to a school phase, let's say you just got dropped. Hey, six weeks out, you got dropped and you have to go to, dive school, you have to either go to the fire academy, you have to go to the police academy, you have to go 
Um, are you getting ready to go on deployment where you're going to be working and patrolling through the mountains? Are you going to be sitting in a truck? So you might have to focus on strengthening posterior chain and trunk positioning because the way you're going to be sitting all day carrying load or potentially you might be, you know, patrolling in a car for multiple hours a day because you're working in, in a off-world driving course. So again, the idea would be is like, what does that look like if something short like that comes or does it look like the recon challenge or the best ranger challenge? And ultimately, People getting ready for the best ranger challenge, I don't think everyone's been told they have six weeks or less to train for it. I think there's a little bit more time there in the way they they like set to send their guys to it. Um, there's different phase markers, but events, you know, like the recon challenge where, you know, sometimes, yeah, there's only a five, six week. But guess what? Like, that's the cool thing about the recon community is like those are the type of dudes that it breeds. Yeah. Yeah. People who are willing to to just kind of, like you said, to, to go. Yeah, but just, yeah, I'm ready. So now it's just kind of in my perspective when we look at it, when I'm talking about these variables, it's just like I'm just trying to give the smart approaches to where you're allowed to do that, still kind of be healthy and not crush yourself like we used to in the past because yeah. that shit's <laughs> yeah, not fun. Yeah. I don't enjoy it, dude. I, I don't like being crushed like that all the time. So that's going to be one big one. Um, the next one is going to be understanding, you know, your aerobic system. So, you know, you're going to be traveling. You're going to go ahead and be – in these, you know, positions where you might not be able to sleep as well, you might not be able to eat as well. Well, if you have the ability to have a high aerobic system going into this, into those type of situations, you've now set yourself up for, you know, success because you can go ahead and take and give a little bit and your body will kick in that way. And again, it goes back to things we've talked about in the lunch and learn series um, that you, you guys will continue to hear. But all of those things are like little tiny magic pills that you can utilize that are free. So it allows for you to go there. So that and then another one environment nice. environment so so like being is, is that kind of like do you mean like being aware of the environment you're going into or so like? yeah so one understanding like what the food and stuff is going to look like because sometimes you know you you might have to adjust eating for like what you're going to be at. So if you're at Academy where you're getting specific food, that's fine. If you're going to be competing in the, in the best Ranger challenge where you're all, oh, you're getting MREs, you might need to train your gut to do so. Or if you're going to be doing an event like mm -hmm. the recon challenge or something out in the mountains where aid stations are going to have different foods, but you eat a specific way, you might want to start training your gut to do so to handle that. So that's the one. But when I say environment, yeah. I mean also weather, like, you know, I had a individual, Oh, you know, sure. I, and the way, reason why was because I bring that up is I trained in Utah at 60 degree weather, 55 degree weather. I think I touched um, 78 degrees out in Zion for seven hours one day, but then the competition was 93 degrees. So I had to like make up yeah. all of that because I knew how much energy and how much water I was expending or how much sweat I was expending through. So I had to keep up on that. So that overall is a big thing as well. So you don't become a casualty when it comes to your environment. And that's why I say, you know, when we look at the environment, yeah, it's, it's, it's temperature, it's weather, it's looking at, you know, what kind of food is going to be around there and how you want to look at that, how you got to train your gut to do those kinds of things. Those takes again, because yeah. again, that takes priority. That, that whole kind of, I suppose, doing your homework, doing your recon. So you, you, just like you were saying, you kind of go in with your eyes open, knowing what to expect. That, yeah, that makes a, that makes a yeah, lot of sense. Definitely. So, you know, as, as we look at it from the standpoint of, you know, the, how this has all come together and where I'm at in terms of <laughs> how I look at it from this perspective, it's been really cool to be able to see all of these kind, all of these things come together and, and know that like, Hey, it's not just, it's not just you know, oh, here and there. No, it, it works. It's just being very aware of it and having that open communication with yourself and those around you who, you know, are supporting you in those endeavors. Yeah. 
yeah, oh, that's that's awesome. Um, yeah, thanks so much for kind of giving us a, an insight into that that training. Um, I think me and George are going to grab a quick coffee and then we'll come back. And I'm I'm absolutely pumped to hear about how the how the event went nice. down.